Well, hello and welcome to Flynn's Talk, a podcast by Flynn's Walk. We're discussing all sorts of things to do with veterinary well-being, veterinary mental health, and the bigger um, ecosphere or ecosystem, Jez, if you like, of, of the veterinary world and how they contribute to our community. Welcome to you as always. Thank you. Nice to be here as always. It's nice um, to be back face to face, sharing a microphone, we budget are, cuts. Yeah, very true. Good, good to catch up, mate. And another really cool guest, interesting guest, um, somewhat more of a documentary style chat today. Yeah, well, it's also like it's someone we've been trying to get for a little while. It's someone who's been on our radar and someone we've wanted to chat to. So yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a it, yeah, it's a bit of a different style to to what they have been recently, um, but definitely an excellent listen. Yeah, long uh, in the making, um, perhaps somewhat fittingly, given our guest, Dr. Nigel Clayton, retired veterinarian, ninety years old. Yep. Practiced veterinary uh, medicine for 50 years, um, originally from the UK and came out here, brought his family out, brought a young family out from England in a very interesting time where um, picking up and moving your life overseas wasn't like mm. it is today. It's still challenging today. Oh, yeah. But back then, the fact that he did what he did and, and he'll tell the story of um, basically how he rolled the dice and came over. Uh, but also, Jez, famous for, for pioneering a particular style yeah. of... Exactly. Um, veterinary care yep. in in the way of after hours care. So, um, of course, for those who don't know, Nigel is Emma's dad, Emma yep. Whiston, who we had a couple of years ago uh, on the show, and M uh, runs a home euthanasia service. So, in her own way, very much a pioneer. But um, just quickly, Jez, as well, before we jump into the Nigel chat, Sydney Walk. Another epic. Yeah, yeah. We've just, what are we, two weeks back from Sydney? It was quite incredible to be up there. We, what did we, we had a few hundred people, beautiful Sydney day, nice stroll along the river. And yeah, it was really, it was great to see everyone out there and supporting. I got a little bit sunburnt, did you? Yeah, I think I got a little bit sunburnt. Yeah, it was a lovely day. Yeah, it was great. Um, our fourth city in pretty much four months. Yeah. Melbourne, Canberra, back in May, and May feels like forever yeah. ago. Oh, yeah, um, it was whirlwind. Uh, Brizzy more recently in August and then Sydney, so to round it out. And huge thank you to, we better do some quick sponsor notes. Should do. The Pet Barn Foundation, yep. who got behind all our events this year. Thank you. Importantly, in this context, Covetris, who uh, not only got behind us for the Brisbane Walk, but have been supporting the podcast um, all throughout 2022. Um, so huge thank you to all of them who helped us get our message further, more walks, more talks, meaning we can hopefully in turn, Jez, help the veterinary industry. Exactly. That's what we're here for. Let's get into it. This is a great episode. Um, and remember as well, there's helpful links and helpful information in our show notes yep. on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it, if you're needing extra support. We do touch on a whole range of subjects in this conversation with Nigel, um, and we do discuss mental health, burnout, and suicide in particular, just after the 20-minute mark, up until just before the 25-minute mark, we do share a story um, from Nigel's experiences. So, if you're not feeling like listening to that section, that's okay. You might like to skip over. And after that, we pick up the conversation with him around pioneering after-hours animal care. What do you reckon, Jez? Will we get into it? Let's do it. 
Jez, I feel I feel very privileged today for a number of reasons, but I feel like we've come into the Villa Rosa, the the little pink house down Feels by the a bit park, like it. which is a, a bit Italian. And I know that you've got UK heritage, of course, <laughs> mate. But um, uh, red house is probably slightly less less elegant, maybe. But we're at the Villa Rosa, and and Nigel, thanks for having us in your cosy lounge. Um, You're very welcome. It's, it's, it's lovely to have you in the house. Yes, and and of course retired. Um, veterinarian, so still Dr. Nigel Clayton, I suppose, in you know, for the sake of um, your history, but retired now. But you spent fifty something years practicing. Five kids moved from the UK, came out here. There's a whole lot of stuff you did with your life and your career. But I, I must, I have to ask something first before we go any further. Do you consider yourself a cat man or a dog man? Definitely a dog man. Oh, there was Good. no hesitation Good. there either. Yeah. Um, right answer. Well, had a had a dog in the family ever yeah. since we were born, ever since we can remember. Yeah. Except now, lost my little dog a couple of months ago. Yeah, she was she was sixteen, so uh, yeah. she had a good good life, yep. and um, yeah, I miss her, but um, yeah, um, I'm too old now to replace her. Mm. Everybody tried to <laughs> make me have one, but. <laughs> No, I would love to have another one, but yeah, I yeah. just just feel I wouldn't be doing justice yeah, for sure. um, to any pet now. Mm. Yeah. Sixteen is remarkable. Yeah, for, it's any, a good age. for any pet, um, uh, and they're a big part of our life, aren't they? Animals, and particularly your your life growing up, the menagerie at mm. home. I can only imagine yeah. um, your children as well, just raised with animals inside, yeah. outside the house, everywhere. They've all got animals. All, all got. Uh, Companions, yeah. canine companions, and feline ones. Mm. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's always been part of our lives. Yes. Uh, anyone listening's detected the accent by now. Tell us about your roots back back at home in the UK when whenever it all began, and you were part of the guinea pig class. You referred to it as at Edinburgh yeah, Uni. That's that's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, the Ed, Ed, Edinburgh Uni. Um, the university <laughs> more or less took over the veterinary school. Um, can I tell you a little story about Please that? Please go yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got uh, really reasonably good marks in my leaving certificate at, uh, at uh, um, uh, the school we were at, and um, I got re- into any university with those marks instead of having to go on to. Uh, um, the next um, examinations, right, yeah. and so I went up to Edinburgh to have a um, an interview. Went to see Professor Mich- Mitchell, who was the head of the uh, veterinary school. Uh, he said, "Come in, sit down, Clayton." Mm-hmm. So I did. He said, "Oh, um, <clears throat> I uh, d- did. You play rugby at school? Yes, I played rugby at school. That was very good." He said. So um, it, that was the only question he asked me. He really? Said, right. <laughs> that was the entry exam. <laughs> that was. And he said, um, um, you have to do your national service first and then come here in two years' time. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we'll save a place for you there. Uh, so thank you for coming up, Clayton. And uh, so I thought it was as very strange as, as you just have. And... Uh, uh, I wondered about it quite a lot, and I looked at the um, the, the members uh, um, in the in the 
the register, the veterinary holes, and there was only one Clayton in it. Yep. And that was a Neville Clayton, and uh, he was um, in practice in Liverpool. And um, looking at the details, he was at the university the same years as, as Professor Mitchell was. So obviously he thought that I was Neville Clayton's uh, son. And Preferential he, treatment, do you think? Yeah. So I was... Well. There were 30, 30, 30 entries yeah. and 300 applications. Wow. wow. So Jeez, I got tight. it on that. Wow. <laughs> Rugby and the surname. Yeah. Yes. And he always waved at me in the passageway when I actually got there. So you can, be, you can be lucky. Did you ever fess up? No. no. <laughs> Good. Good on you. It sounds like early on um, you, were, you were kind of destined for, for something like this then in terms of you're a studious student. I think so. I think I was sort time. of felt to myself I was, I was there doing the right thing yep. at the right time. Um, in the right place, so as I say, I was I was very lucky, and uh, it helped me through quite a lot. Was it always was it always an interest for you going into the veterinary field? Always, uh, from when I was five years old. Yep, we had a <coughs> had a dog, um, a, um, a a collie or border collie, yeah. which uh, nobody could touch, nobody could go anywhere near. So when um, the vet came to the house to um, give vaccinations and things like that. Um, I was the only one who could handle the handle Laddie. His his name was, and um, from there that onwards, um, I always had the ability really to um, get along with with dogs and. Uh, um, more or less read their their minds. Yeah. Um, um, most of the dogs we had, I could always converse with them, and they seemed to understand what I was saying. Yeah. And certified uh, dog whisperer. <laughs> well, yeah, thing like yes, absolutely. But, uh, um, in the um, fifty odd years I was in practice, um, I was only bitten once. And uh, that was. Uh, and what was the client's name? My own. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. What was the what? What was the client's name? I said. Uh, Maybe no. <laughs> But the funny thing was, the dog bit me on my wrist where my watch was, and um, the owner of the dog was a watchmaker. So, <laughs> but Emma, Emma's got the the watch Still, now. still with the tooth marks in it. Yeah. Yep. Nice yeah. one. So that was a, a good life. And animals, of course, were a big part of it. Take me back um, those early years where you were working regional, rural, um, single man, two man practices and the like, where you were carrying a fair bit of the load of out of hours and, 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 and you know, um, remote visits and things like that to farmland. Tell, tell us about life as a young vet, finding your own feet and, and, and finding your way? I think I was lucky in the, um, the people I chose to work for. Um, the first one was a, um, a Welshman. Mm. Um, he left most of the, um, 
new work to me, and I gradually built up my own um, uh, clients, and uh, that was mainly large animal work, um, and uh, the sort of practices they were were cattle, pigs, not many sheep really, but pigs and cattle, and these were uh, lived in yards. Not many of them had fields to, to go into, um, mainly because the, um, the land was so valuable. It was the, um, uh, the marshes originally, which uh, were all um, drained and which made up most of that um, that part of England okay. and um, the uh, the farmers used the um, the, the poos from the um, sh yards that the animals were in in fact I remember one um, one family said to me ah he said um, every time a pig mixes uh, lifts his tail that's worth six sixpence to me <laughs> and uh, okay, yeah. often going along the, the the roads you could smell the, yeah. the spreading muck spreading as it was called there yeah. and uh, so the, so people who were keeping pigs for example when they were making an income off the manure yes that was the purpose yeah. as opposed to selling the selling the pigs for meat Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But yeah. but they were they were sold for they were grow, grown for for food. Yeah. Of course, of yeah. course, they couldn't let yeah. them get too old. Right, yeah. <laughs> and they didn't uh, didn't have milk milk cows. They were mainly um, um, mainly beef beef yeah. cattle. Yeah. stuff sure. like that. The difficult part of it was probably the, the horses. I remember one one horse which uh, which got um, pain in the stomach, um, okay. colic. Oh, yeah. Yes. Had had colic. It was it was a a, a far, farm horse, mm. and um, it was in an outside um, um, shed, okay. and I sat with with the horse there oh, until probably three or four o'clock in the morning, mm. and then he started kicking about in in the shed, so uh, it was a bit dangerous in there. So I had to get out and. Uh, Unfortunately, he was, uh, in spite of giving him some pain, um, uh, pain, pain medicine, he uh, he he almost kicked the shed down wow. in the next half hour. We hadn't got any real medicines to help with at all, um, and um, yeah, that was upsetting. Yeah. It's that sort of um, that sort of work that. Um, really makes you depressed and uh, maybe in some respect uh, um, caused or led up to self-harm um, um, self, self in, the, uh, in the practice. Mm. And uh, I came across quite a few suicides. Yeah. yeah. And um, I just didn't really understand what led up to this suicide and until later on yeah. when I, I myself um, um, had had some um, upset yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I got over that 
so it was part of part of life um, I suppose being a vet you know you, you painted you painted quite a picture there Nigel around um, how I suppose intense um, isolating you know that kind of work can be and for you certainly sounds like you experienced that yourself working rural and working by yourself mm, yeah um, you know without someone just over your shoulder to turn to to lend a hand that's and right like yes that. you couldn't fall back on somebody else yeah. um, uh, until later on when I got into a practice with uh, 10, 10 partners yeah. and um, that really wasn't much better because 10, 10 partners just don't get on and uh, that was actually one of the uh, reasons which, uh, which we came over to Australia was um, that uh, uh, just wasn't enjoying working um, because there was always arguments and that sort of thing. We, we had a, um, a meeting every Saturday night and, um, as I said, a situation where it was a committee. And a committee could never agree on anything. Yep. In fact, the, the wives of the vets um, actually had a, their own meeting, a cup of tea in the house, and in yeah. in the next room, <laughs> next room, and uh, they told us what we were going to have to do. Okay, they <laughs> the were a lot better day. at getting stuff yes. done, by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yes. You so, so a, me a meeting on a Saturday night with ten ten directors or stakeholders, whatever you referred to them, it must have been in a, a pub, or was it was it less formal, or, or was it was it quite business like? What what was take um, us inside that because it's some. Um, well, There's always been a need to have people work together and form exactly form right. agreement, yes, but that's yes. never been easy. Yes. Well, yeah. well, no one took over the um, the place as being the boss or uh, sure. yep. the leader, yep. um, yeah. because we were all equal partners. And um, as I say, I, I was the fourth one in, yeah. but yeah. Um, I had as much say in it as the tenth one mm. that came mm. in. And, in in uh, some respects, having having ten leaders is actually not having any leaders at all mm. because yes. no one's standing up and going, "Well, I'll, I'll take charge here." That, yeah. That's right. But yes. this was part of. Um, so you you had the earlier work. We'd work for some single man or, or, or two man practices. This was part of going and being part of something new, wasn't it? Which was establishing. It, it was this new yes. That was the third yeah. third practice. Yeah. I was yeah. In. Yeah. I did three in the first three years in the first. I think four years in the second practice, which was a, a beautiful place. That was a little town, a little no, it wasn't even a city. A little town uh, called Swaffham yep. in in Norfolk, um, beautiful part of the country, and um, yeah, I was asked to run a branch practice from a larger practice in the next town, but uh, I. The boss is actually his name was Malcolm MacDonald, and um, he was a Scotsman, of course. And yep. uh, I only met him three times. Uh, once, uh, sort of half an hour, when I had an interview to get the practice. Once, uh, when I left the practice, and uh, what was the other time? Oh, he came over to borrow a. Uh, some drugs from my place, yeah. so it was it was an easy place to work. It was a mixed mixed practice, mm. small animals yeah. and large animals. Um, 
we got more in the way of um, cattle for mil milking yep. and um, and uh, a lot of sheep as well and and pigs it, it was like hard work was was a lot of work my wife said that it's because i did so much night work that uh, when i came back in cold and wet um and i had to do a bit of cuddling up and uh, that's where the five five <laughs> children came from very good to see. <laughs> okay I, I respect your ability mate to be able to see the lighter side of life and um you've certainly lived through a lot and, and the stories um in our lives are the things that that shape us and I know that sadly you lost um, a good mate of yours from your uni class that you found out had passed away um, while you were working down in, in Lincolnshire. And I want to fast forward from there though to a, a few years later uh, when you moved down to Swaffham, which which you, uh, is in Norfolk, and you were working for Donald McDonald, um, a Scotsman, uh, and, and he lived in the next town. But um, I remember you talking about how, how a lot of your clients were friends as well and being a smaller town and you being being the only vet or, or one of a few people that could help you formed quite close relationships with with the people that uh, you assisted and something that that resonated with me um you, you had a, a, a client who was who was a pig farmer and um sadly it took his own life and and you you actually were the person who discovered that um that this had happened and you know that's a that's a that's uh, we, we can't discount the impact that, that that has and and I and I commend you for the fact that you can be open and talk about that but yeah tell us about you know um, Joe the pig farmer but you know not, not just that but I suppose the paint the picture around what it's like for these people and the, and the people who you were who you were helping as a vet um, living during that time uh, you know where, where a farm was, their livelihood and 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 their and their purpose, I suppose. Yeah, because he loved his uh, loved his his uh, his pigs. He mm. and he, he he reared them, and um, they used to follow him around as well. And um, anyway, one morning he ran to say that um, he thought his his pigs were looking not well. Um, now that time of the year, big. Uh, Crowds of um, um, starlings, birds, mm. came over from Europe, mm. and Europe had a lot of, um, of um, um, swine influenza, um, and these uh, birds brought it over um, from the continent. In uh, um, and the first place they landed in England was was round about the, the Norfolk mm -hmm. and he said he thought <coughs> that his uh, his pigs were not looking too well. I went back to look at the, the pigs and unfortunately it was actually just uh, erysipelas which uh, one or two shots of penicillin mm. wow. back to normal and I felt dreadfully upset about telling him in the morning when I was on the phone to him that uh, um, it could be swine fever yeah. and um, it was part, very upsetting that's yeah. one of those things but they they all like their farms yeah. they all like their animals um, and most of them were small uh, yeah. small farmers people with a lot riding on yeah there's always so much invested mm. Mm. yes emotionally as well yeah yep. yes yep. yes 
different to the farms uh, where you get the big big farmer and uh, um, I'm feeling quite sorry for myself now <laughs> but but that stuff that stuff stays with you yeah it certainly know, does things yeah. that you accumulate uh, experiences you accumulate along the way shape you and stay with you don't they it's silly really to uh, you know feel that you're responsible for other people's actions mm. yeah and um, you find ways to get over it eventually I mm. I got into motor cars and uh, mm. Um, restored a couple of old English cars, um, but only when I when I came over to here yep. in in the in the earlier days here, it took fifteen years to restore two cars. <laughs> but it wasn't so much about the finishing of the project, but the project itself. Then yes, something to take your mind away and occupy yourself. Exactly. Ways, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it, it it makes you think about things. Yeah. So you've got you've got a, you're starting a family back in this time you're starting a family you've got you've got the practice going what what's the decision what makes you pick everything up and move over to Australia Yeah well I think we weren't we weren't happy at Basildon yep. um, that was a new town um, just uh, north of London in in Essex that's where we joined the um, the large partnership there. Um, it was very. It was a new town. They built it from fresh, on sort of a, a marshy area, and um, there was no cinemas. Yeah, not 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 a nice place to yeah. live. Living was expensive. Taxation was very high, and uh, I met Peg Goodwin. So so, um, Peg Goodwin, Peg who's Goodwin. who's Margaret Goodwin, that you who, who you referenced. You've, you met her and, and would take a moment to acknowledge um, her own resume of being one of, the, one of the first, I believe, registered female vets in Australia and I believe she established the first smallies practice as well. Is that right? Well respected and it sounds like she earned your respect very quickly. Yes, I think, I think we did respect each other. Peg, of course, is the reason why you decided to move your family to Australia and, and pursue that uh, new line of work but is it true that the night you met peg you actually weren't going to attend the bva meeting i i usually went but this night it was cold wet um about 30 miles into london but then i thought well yeah i'll, I'll go yeah it was just a spur of the moment mm. sort of thought yeah. so yeah i went to the meeting i sat with i didn't know them but uh, peg goodwin in in the lecture theatre, and um, got got chatting afterwards. <coughs> she said she was from Australia, looking for someone to um, look after her practice. Um, well, she re wanted to retire. Anyway, we, we talked, and um, she said, "Are you, you interested in it?" After we'd talked for oh half an hour, and uh, it just seemed to come at the right time that. Uh, this opportunity, to my mind, uh, was something well worth thinking about. The children were growing up and uh, it would have been, I think, a better life for them. So uh, Kate and I talked for a few days. Um, we went to a theatre then in London to see a show of one sort or another. And after the show, we sat in Leicester Square and had a few more words and then we both said yep 
let's go. Kate said, well, she'll go for two, two years, she yep. said. <laughs> and um, so we got in touch with Peg and said, yes, okay, fine. I think it only took about three weeks mm, well. to organise it all and um, get on the aeroplane. So just to get our timeline straight a bit, you land, you land in Australia, Peg meets you here, you get settled into your new home and then you start working whether in the clinic and then you start managing the practice for her? Took over the practice and, and ran it for her for a while. Yeah. Um, I wasn't happy at all with the, with the practice. Um, she, she had um, building sites on the main road, White Horse Road, just that's inside of um, coming, coming into Ringwood. Um, her practice was in a wooden hut sort of house and uh, she lived in the front of the house and the practice was it built separately but attached onto the house. Yep. Um, she had two consultation rooms there, a waiting room about the same size as this room. Uh, we were very busy. Um, she had quite nice kennels in the garden, which were um, quite nicely built, which was really the best part about the practice. Um, she had a shed in the in the back garden as an operating room. She had a an X uh, X ray machine which she'd bought from a hospital, a little little one, yep. which was in the office, which originated as a, um, a kitchen. Anyway, the, the people loved her, and it was about the only practice in the length of Whitehorse Road yep. between between Box Hill and Croydon. So, so you take over from the practice from her. Yes. Do you get your? Do you get a chance to put your own spin on things and run well, things the way happened. you want yes, to? Yes, we, we we discussed um, um, the practice, yeah. and she agreed to to build a new one in the um, two um, house blocks, and she built quite a big a big. A, a big practice and uh, four four consulting rooms and um, yeah altogether much more convenient yep. um, <coughs> changed a lot of the um, work practices um, I um, had nurses working with the vet mm -hmm. so that the the nurse helped out and um, um, did a lot of the um, drugs. Yep. He, he said, oh, I'll, I'll give an injection. So the nurse went and did the injection. A lot more e efficient. Yep. And, and, and that's that's it, part of part and parcel of veterinary care now. Mm. But back then was something... Did oh, that rock no, the boat, having a nurse yeah, coming they, in with the vet? There was only, a, you know, a, a couple of nurses and uh, right, yeah. they mainly... Uh, Swept the floors and yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, and washed the table down and things like that. Yeah. Uh, there was an opportunity there for them to be yeah. more involved. Yeah. In my in my mm. system, yes, yeah. this, the nurse stayed with the vet um, all the time, mm. and uh, you know went in and called the next person in, um, and they felt the the, the, the clients felt 
good. Yeah. And uh, the nurse was able to hold the, uh, the um, animal on the table mm. um, a lot better. Yeah. I cut the um, hours down to three and a half days a week. Mind you, they were from long days. Well, from what? Seven or six or Well, more, well, more or less, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Seven. That's a big change, yeah. Yes, they were definitely you know, over, 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 overworked. Well, I was going to... I was going to say, yeah, you've moved yourself now across the world, and and you've had this friendship and relationship, professional relationship with, with Peg, um, yeah. and had the chance to take over now, and I suppose um, put all the things together about what you'd learnt, what not to do, over many years. Exactly right. And yes. consolidate that into clearly your own approach and style. Yes. Yes. Did you see? Did you see? And sadly, as well, touched by touched by a story of. Of suicide within that clinic too, which is, um, you know, it's hard to find people in your in your field and M's field who haven't sadly lost someone or, or connected to a story. But how, how did you see the turnaround with the care you showed people through these through these changes you've talked us through that you made? Did you see an uplift in in um, well exactly morale right. and, and, and and output <laughs> yeah. and things like that? Yeah, the the the, the staff levels were. Uh, uh, before I came, mm. uh, a vet would stay probably a year, mm. um, a nurse just over a year. Uh, when we when we changed the all the differences, uh, um, the nurses stayed for at least five years. Yeah. Wow! Um, one of the nurses was still there when I when I retired. And she she was, and how long was 30, 30 years oh, she was there. Wow. Um, and Sa yeah. Sandra was about 20 years. Mm. Uh, in fact, uh, yeah, the three, two or three of the nurses were, um, were still there when I left. When you, when you told um, colleagues or counterparts running other practices about the sorts of things that you were doing that were different, I'm imagining it got some sideways looks, or were you considered a disruptor? I mean, you, it's a, it's a big change. Like yeah. we've seen we've seen through many other fields where unions have become involved and brought in the the eight hour working day, and and you know back in the day, yeah. uh, Saturdays were relinquished back to recreational time and things like that. Were you feeling like you were being looked at by other people? Like, what is Nigel doing? Or, or were you respected for it? Quite a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, we we did have a, a meeting once a month and <coughs> agreed on prices and things like that. Yeah. Uh, my prices were always a lot lower than everyone else's, mm. and uh, there was a lot of pressure tried to put on me to increase uh, increase my pet pressures yeah. Uh, um, prices. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's how the animal. Um, Emergency, yeah, started up. Yeah, the AEC. So we're keen to hear more about that and how the AEC came to be. But first, you want to talk us through how the after-hours care was delivered at that time, and and who was managing that emergency care? We were made to give a service at, n at night time. So the, what they were doing when I came was um, answering the phones of, of the neighbours and sort of taking it as a, in a roster. But generally, it finished up Peg's practice being the only one 
with with any service being given. The poor poor clients used to have to um, uh, phone up their own. They got passed on to another vet, passed on to another vet, mm. and eventually the, the fourth one passed it back to the yeah. first one. And so anyway, Peg, Peggy always had someone on practice, and so everybody else referred them to 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 Ringwood, so she had um, always had a, a vet on practice at, n at night time, who slept in the room, a bedroom at the house. <laughs> wow! Okay. Um, yeah. It was a, a big um, difficulty on um, on on the vets themselves. Yeah, so yeah. It's taking they, them away from time well, with family. Recreation yeah, time. I mean, yeah, they, they probably didn't get home. They'd work, work for the day, yep. be on duty at night, yep. where they'd sleep in the bedroom yep. in the house, yep. and then work the next day. Mm. Um, and hardly sustainable. At one of the meetings, um, the um, the question came up about um, night night work, and uh, yep. yeah. I said, look, it's, it's, you know, our vets are doing all the dirty work, and and that they were saying, oh well, look, you you can you often keep that client for the next day, and yep. but we don't like you keeping it. You should send it back to us when you've done the emergency work. Right. <laughs> <coughs> so um, they kind of wanted to have it all, yes, all their yeah, own yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You do the bit overnight. <laughs> we'll pick it up during the glory times of daylight. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's hardly fair. I thought well. I've got all the um, all the necessities at our practice yep. Yep. Uh, to employ a, a a vet who just does the night work, mm. um, like a, somebody who's retired, mm. and um, so they were saying, well, you uh, you can still keep the clients the next day. So I said, well, why why don't we get a place which is entirely separate and get uh, vets employed there yep. especially uh, so that's where the emergency center yep. came up that it was open um from i think it was eight o'clock until eight o'clock the morning yep. sure yeah we had a, a retired vet uh, sleeping there <laughs> we borrowed we borrowed a caravan from one of the one of the vets uh, and put it in there so that he'd have somewhere to to sleep if he had time on his hands, and um, then we borrowed a a separate little building oh, yeah. from the RSPCA, hmm. and um, the vet from Box Hill <coughs> was the chairman. Of the, of the the of the RSPCA, yep. right. and so we we actually used that uh, cl clinic <coughs> and um, did the we looked after his out of hours work as well, mm. so he didn't have to employ a vet. Right. Yeah. And so we, we got on reasonably well there, um, and um, had, had benefits. Yes, for, from multiple parties, right? Like it wasn't just. That, that's right. Yes. You had space to work from. They had night cover. Yes. And yes. people had somewhere to yeah, ring. Yeah. Yeah. 
and we we after being under those situations for a um, or eighteen months maybe. Um, one of the nasty things was that in one of the rooms was the room that they gassed the uh, gassed the putting to sleep dogs, yep. and we didn't like that. Yep. The nurses didn't like that, mm. <coughs> so we went around and looking for uh, somewhere for ourselves to 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 buy, yep. which then we we found that one, um, that house. This is the place on Blackburn yep. Road. On right? Blackburn yep. Road, yes. Yeah. Which uh, we made a nice nice clinic on there. And gradually increased, uh, the, bought things for it. We had a um, a company, uh, which had um, shareholders. How many this time? Oh, had ten in the uh, UK. How many this time? About two hundred. So that gradually built over the years, as you see in there. Over ten years, yep. it was really going well until um, oh, it was sold. Across to, it was sold to the Green Cross Network, is that right? Yes, yep. Green Cross now, but yep. it was a, an individual vet, and he, he was buying up lots of practices, oh, yeah. which eventually came into a, a group like that. Yep. This was the first one in Australia, and um, they um, gradually we helped a, a practice in Perth to build one up, and then it gradually, as you say, went all over the place. Um, mm. I think there's five or six in Melbourne now. There are. All based on the similar similar lines. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's it. After hours care, um, mm. you know, I've, I've been there. Yeah, like, again, you, yeah. You've been there yeah. With, with a pet. Yeah, um, it's another thing that now everyone just takes for granted that that's do. something, yeah, that you help pioneer. Yes, yeah. And, and for people listening who are Melbourne-based, um, and if you're not and you're ever in town, but the, the AEC that we're talking about is still mm. still stands there today. It's a slightly different building, um, mm. but it's still there, number 37 at Blackbone Road, Mount yeah. Waverley. And um, that that's that's a physical, literal legacy you've left and a mark. But how do you reflect on championing that where, where it really what it took was a conversation with a, with a bunch of people who... Maybe didn't, and often, and often people talk about in marketing or in, or in business that you've got to present someone the problem and then sell them the solution. Mm. Um, and it took a conversation to get that happening. It sounds like, but but you took the step to to have that conversation, which I think is outstanding. Yeah. How do how do you reflect on that now? Going, there's multiple location and, and it's a model of care that that is normal and taken for granted now by pet owners and the community yeah. broadly. Well, there's there's no doubt that um, it's it's improved not improved, but developed into a very, very um, good hospital, really. I, I didn't think it was anything special, really. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was a, a natural, sensible thing uh, to do. It's been the, really the premier, premier system in, in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, Did you work in the AEC? Only on nights, yes, yeah, yes, sure. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we had about uh, we had two hundred shareholders, yep. mm. all vets, mm. so there was no difficulty yep. in. Uh, so everyone, everyone would do their part and do do yes, a shift. Yeah, yeah. So I think you only needed to work once every two months or something mm. like that. As opposed to most nights yeah. or having the phone uh, yes, yeah. it's such a great yeah. system yeah. It's, it's, so it's the, vet, the vets could go home they could see their yeah. family <laughs> they weren't overworked really 
um, they had the the best equipment and um, yeah. You must have noticed an immediate impact even in yourself with all of this time spent delivering veterinary care, seeing the things that weren't working and now this new system and this new approach. What sort of impact did that have on you personally and then and the time you were now available to spend with your family? It was, um, as I said, I really just saw it as, as a, a sensible thing to do. Um, everybody got a benefit from it, um, the nurses as well. Um, the, I think the all the um, people who, who were part of it, the 200 vets, um, really their the life um, with their families, um, their, even as a, by, a byproduct was that uh, they could um, treat the their patients better. They had all the all the um, uh, equipment standing by um, because they they could afford to buy it between a lot of people. Yeah. Whereas yeah. one person having a practice couldn't buy the latest latest equipment everybody seemed to be smiling <laughs> that's awesome in many ways and in, in the things that you did you honored uh, the words your father gave you when you left england and i'm and i'm steering you to this because i know i know the quote and i heard you talk a few years ago and and uh, it stuck with me yes and, and, it, and it surprises me that this isn't more of an approach mm, from people yeah, as a bit of a yeah. default but that's no, a lovely quote though. and and i want and i want you to you to articulate it in your own way because i know that this this set up a lot of the way that you moved forward, particularly when you came to Australia. Yeah, well, just as a background, he was uh, the manager of uh, a big of one of the big banks in uh, in Derby in, in England, and he had uh, a, um, a staff of something like forty people there, and uh, that's probably where he got the idea from. And he said to me, Nigel, he said, if you get a practice or a business in Australia, remember that your customer is not the most important part of your business, your staff is. If you, took, if you look after your staff, uh, your staff will look after your clients, your clients will look after your business, and your business will look after you. And uh, it's, it's fairly true yeah. that you you um you have to listen to his words yeah <laughs> oh it's certainly words we can all live by mm. yes. i think it's um yeah knowing knowing which part of the cycles are most important to have a, have an effect on um rather than focusing on the end of the conveyor Absolutely. belt let's see what's let's mm. see what's coming on <laughs> yeah everybody benefits then yeah. as, as i said another good uh Quote is everybody was smiling. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. That's what you want at the end of the day. Yeah. You, you pioneered many things and blazed many trails. Um, we've got another trailblazer sitting here in the room with us today. Who? That's me, isn't it? Uh, Jeremy, in his own way, of course. Um, but I'm talking about Emma, your daughter Emma, who's uh, in 2004, so 18 years on, and she formed and revolutionised home euthanasia care. And again, with a focus on 
um, people and giving people the right way to fare well their animals. And she attributes a lot of her bedside manner to you as well. But my question is, how proud are you of what Em's gone on to do? And and you've you've blazed trails, and she's been doing the same now. Uh, well, she well, she did some time ago, but yeah. continues to champion. Um, this way of working that focuses on very very proud of uh, what she's done and uh, She's improved it enormously, but when you look back upon it, it's only natural. It's only sensible Yeah, that uh, you you take it in stages. I suppose they were too busy that uh, They couldn't do it just gave an anesthetic and just an overdose of an anesthetic. That was all uh, there was no suggestion of um, treating the owners of the dogs um, in the way that they're treated nowadays. Um, in fact, that's what part of the, well, a, a big part of the, um, the practice of being a vet um, by treating the, the owners yeah. and um, um, at the same time um, making yourself feel better about it, yeah. So no, she's fantastic. She's made a a big difference because uh, again, a lot of vets, even in their own practice, use the same um, same system as, as as Emma uses now. Yep. And. Um, Makes life easier again. Yeah. So again, that's a pass on. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations and well done, and uh, for everything that you've done done for the for the field yeah. and yeah. for the people in it. Yeah. For the animals. I'm very surprised the there's no OAM medal. Could be a nomination. Maybe yeah. Maybe someone reckon. should be nominating you soon. Well, well, I, I, you're pretty quick to sort of move yep. things away from yourself and deflect deflect the praise. But um, you know, Jeremy and I are non-vet. That and that's why I've enjoyed speaking with you as well today so much because you looked at everything around mm. the care of the animal, the people, the clients, the relationships that are forged. So, so well done to you for that, and mm. you know, an amazing legacy, a living legacy that you've got. Um, yeah. And and you should be yeah, I tip that to you. Yep. Well done. And thanks for sharing yeah. it with us. Well, it's been nice talking to you. I'm sorry about my voice. No. And my memory. But uh, oh, no. it was I'm perfect. I've got it, got it off the chest. Yes. Well, thanks for listening. And as always, your word of mouth is our best promotion. So if you did enjoy the episode or you've enjoyed the series, jump online, follow us, share, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell your family. And don't forget to follow us on the socials, flintswalk.com.au, where our updates and information will land and the socials will keep ticking over. Of course, we're always open to receiving donations as well, and we've got T-shirts, beanies, hats, and other little bits and pieces available on the website. So thank you for your support, and we will be talking with you again with more amazing guests very soon.